0: Hello my little beasties and ghoulies. Welcome to Fear and Trembling with Horror. The podcast that brings you all things horror into conversation with philosophy, theology, religion, literature, mythology, you know, anything you can think of. I'm your host, Jared, and I'm joined with my good buddy Ryan. The basis of our friendship, of course, was in watching horror films in college together every Thursday night. Lord of Illusions. Yeah, that's the first one we watched was Lord of Illusions. At any rate, we had a lot of fun, and we still like watching films together and talking about them and just analyzing them from different angles. Uh, On today's episode, we're going to feature the second part of a trilogy on possession movies. Today, we're going to talk about Scott Derrickson's uh, wonderful film, The Exorcism of Emily Rose.
1: It is a terrific film. We, if I recall correctly, saw that in the theater.
0: Sure did. Sure did. Yes. And I do remember that the priest in the movie is on the stand and he keeps saying three o'clock in the morning, he was visited (laughs) by the demons. And somebody said, (laughs) why three? And he called it the witching hour. And that's the inversion of the Trinity and 3 PM when Jesus died and all this stuff that, that um, it's all lore. And Mm. That night, by golly, I woke up at three in the morning on the dot, <laughs> and I did for like two weeks afterwards. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fun. That's really funny. Funny how yeah. your body and That, that is-
1: actually becomes a running joke in, a, not a running joke, but a running callback in Scott Derrickson's films afterwards.
0: Does it really? I did not know that. You have to point it yeah, out when we you, do the next one.
1: Yes, if you watch Sinister and a couple of his others. Okay. It, it sneaks in.
0: All right. Well, let's describe this movie. Let's give it an overview. This is another one of those movies like The Exorcist that is supposedly based off a real-life exorcism. Of course, it's in a different location with different people. Names have been changed. And, of course, Mm -hmm. people say they were there as testimonial witnesses and they are making their testimony known. Uh, What's happened in this story is the combination of – I say this movie is the combination of The Exorcist in that it is about uh, a young girl possessed by a demon – and a Catholic priest who needs to exorcise that demon. And it's mixed exorcism or the exorcist with um, a few good men because it's also yes, – f- I
1: just thought about that in my head. Thought, yeah. He's, is he going the firm? Is he going Matlock? Nope. He's going a few good men. You can't handle the truth. Well, the thing- <laughs> Did you order the code red?
0: <laughs> you want me on that wall. You need me on that The wall. body of Christ <laughs> compel you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. The power of Christ. He's like he's like, he's like Jack Nichols, <laughs> Nichols. <laughs> he's, he's wearing shades in the dark, going, Hey man, the power of Christ compel you, man. <laughs> Just playing so cool. Do you want a sandwich? <laughs> okay. All right. So what what happened is this there's a kid who <laughs>
1: Here's Father Johnny. Wait, no, What? wait. wait. Wrong
0: mess-up. Here, here's a kid who's in college. Things are going awry for her. She's from a very strict, conservative Catholic family out on the farm, and she's having all kinds of physical and mental health issues, and um, the priest, the local priest, the priest of the family gets called to come in and perform exorcism. Um, things go horribly wrong over the time the story is told back and forth between the exorcist, exorcism and uh, the legal court case that, that takes place. Um Tom Wilkinson plays the priest. Uh, Laura Lenny plays the uh, the defense attorney, and she is an atheist. She's a skeptic all the way through. The prosecuting attorney, he's a Sunday school teacher in his Methodist church. And, <laughs> yeah. and he's a real winner. Yeah, and they got this whole <laughs> combo of, of people. And and the family basically Emily Rose loses her life, loses her battle against uh, the demon. And because of that. The priest is actually put on trial for, um, I think it's like negligent homicide, because he did not get her the proper care she needed, i.e. psychological and medical care. Uh, She died under the strain of the possession or the malnutrition and everything else. Yes. Um, And so he's defending, with the help of Laura Linney, some very arcane understanding of demons and exorcism, uh, some ancient traditional views. Um, at least middle-aged views, um, that is to say medieval period. He's defending them against a very modern, rational, uh, liberal, uh, i you know, s- uh, rational scientific worldview, even uh, modern, liberal, uh, Protestant uh, viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And it's very fascinating as you get to watch the, the possession and of course there's the battle that goes deeper and deeper and deeper and it's jennifer carpenter plays the character of emily rose and she can do strange things with her body she's very thin and she can mm-hmm. look she's very stuck in catatonic ways but that are that are very stark and scary themselves and she does similar things that other possession movie uh characters do the way she's Uh, being blasphemous in the way she's screaming in languages and running up things and kind of doing superhuman feats of strength and bending her body in ways they shouldn't go. And Tom Wilkinson has the family and the community around him, even a local, uh, a local medical person there to track Mm -hmm. and see what happens. Meanwhile, he is on again on trial for his life and he has to argue and his defense attorney is a is a skeptic so he's he's kind of trying to win her over or the mm-hmm. story is as well as win over the uh the, the whole the whole legal uh, edifice to the idea that um possession and exorcism is a, a culturally and anthropologically viable reality across the world in the world's ages yes and it
1: was a viable treatment option. That's exactly that he right. It wasn't negligent.
0: That's exactly right. And um, and so and so that's that's basically the overview of the film. Uh, so you have that good courtroom drama to break up some of the uh, disturbing. I, fi- I find possession movies to be uh, exhausting to watch. And so <laughs> these are good yeah. cutaways and good breaks in the action to kind of fill out. Some exposition, so it doesn't happen in weird, like non-natural settings. It happens yeah. through through uh,
1: natural course of the story.
0: Yeah, of interrogation is what I want. Yes. It happens through inter- yeah. interrogation. Uh, meanwhile, the the defense attorney, who's a skeptic, starts getting strange visits at three in the morning. And <laughs> even though she's doubtful, she knows the priest is a good man. She mm-hmm. believes in him. And she, I think, she thinks of them all as a bunch of bumpkins that are superstitious. But she starts to herself have some encounters along the way that opens, yeah. starts opening up the the imagination for the supernatural or the mysterious, that which cannot be explained in her own life. Right.
1: I like how the I like how the father puts it uh, that she's seen the darkness too.
0: Mm. Why don't we just dive into the themes now? That's yeah. A rough overview. So, so, so is that one of your themes—the darkness and seeing the darkness?
1: I think certainly you can tell the priest has encountered something that has shaken him, not necessarily shaken his faith, but just changed him in a way that he can no longer go back to his parish which is interesting. I think the, the darkness kind of attaches itself to him in a way that he makes him very uncomfortable. So I, I think faith again is going to, is going to play a large role in this film thematically because you have the prosecutor who's a Sunday school teacher and it's Methodist church. But then you also have father Moore who's performed these exorcisms, who is a, a parish, a parish priest does you know priestly priestly duties beyond the rite of exorcism and then you have some of the other witnesses that the defense calls to help bolster this this belief scientifically in different cultures and stuff like that so yeah faith is a faith, differently than the exorcist but in a very similar in a very similar way that gets juxtaposed one of the things that i liked was They play this film does a very good job of, well, is the defense right? Is she possessed? Because they show alternate versions of the possession scenes, which is not something a lot of possession films do. Whenever the prosecution's talking, it shows a different explanation for perhaps what is taking place in these different these different vignettes, these different scenes. And then whenever the defense is talking, it's you know it's the, the the full on possession possession stuff so it plays with that faith and doubt in a different way in a different experiential way than say the exorcist did well or I, other possession I, films do
0: yeah uh, let me let me uh ho- hold that for a second i'm going to pop right down and talk about that after i say the first theme i see again is the is the battle uh between light and and dark or good and mm-hmm. bad um holy and and evil and and that happens between the priest and the demon itself just like yes. in The Exorcist and any other uh film about possession, there is that battle. Uh he talks in court about how three AM is the is <laughs> the, the witching, witching hour. hour and that the, the demons there mocking him to say what? What was it for? And he says, to say the game is on, the game is afoot. This very kind of uh a uh, Sherlock uh Holmes sort of phrase in which they, it doesn't Mm -hmm. play well because it's not a game, but that's not what he meant. It's like competition is on competition for this girl's soul is on. But I would argue that what's really being done in this movie is competition for the soul of the world, because I think this film is ultimately, uh, I think it is a set piece to talk about rationality and mystery Mm. And I, th- I think it is a certain interrogation over the, the ways in which we come to know what is and is not. How do we know truth? Mm. Is it this old modern enlightenment position where things can only be known if they're scientifically verifiable, if they're rational, if they're empirical, if they're reproducible in different labs? Or is there other forms of knowing that can be called knowledge knowledge? And perhaps mm-hmm. that's intuition or based on authority or tradition or religion or uh, coming out of softer sciences like anthropology. There is that one defense uh, a witness who is an anthropologist who studied exorcism all over the world. And the whole point is simply to say. I'm not here to scientifically verify for you that demons are real. And like, I don't have one in my back pocket, but I am here to tell you that it is a phenomenon seen worldwide over that people have experienced these mysterious things that are not explainable by tools of modernity.
1: That are cross cultural. Yeah. It's not just, yeah.
0: So I think that's really the, the, I think that that's the, I think that's what's happening in the movie. And then on top of it, the packaging is possession this yeah. very medieval kind of right, uh, uh, you know, and it, was, it even has the lair of a kind of a, a pastoral America farm life, a very faithful American, culturally conservative, value driven family down on the farm, you know. Um, you got the <laughs> right, you have the, the kind of the morals of middle America right there, and then you have over here or
1: fundamentalist America. Could, could,
0: could be, I'm not throwing stones. But the point I think in this movie is trying to say, um, I don't think the movie, I don't think the point of view that Derrickson is making in this movie is that science and rationality are not a fundamental way of grasping knowledge. I think that the answer that they would give or he would give is that it's not the only way and that in in accepting it so forcefully as we did after the Enlightenment, we have done so at the peril of other ways of knowing things. I'm thinking of other epistemologists and philosophers like Michael Pol- Polanyi, who might have something else to say about how we come to know things. But 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 the distinction here is that the very Kantian, Immanuel Kant, and you know people like Lessing and these Germans that would talk about knowledge being on the side of things that you can observe and test and quantify, and that's knowledge. Mm-hmm. And things that you can't, but you can't disprove either, like the soul or or, or consciousness of a human, or the conscience, or, or heaven, or God, That those aren't things you can know, but those are things that you can believe in, right? Mm. And you can believe very, very deeply. I think the question really is, uh, we have... I think I think what the movie is doing is undermining that as a simple dichotomy. It's not yeah. simple. It's not simple. There is faith on the side of science, and a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, religious, supernatural, folkloric belief might also have some science that can back up some of the claims, right?
1: Yeah, certainly he wants it to be a struggle. You said for the soul of the world, but also for the soul of the viewer.
0: Are I we not part he, of the world, Ryan?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I, well, that, the way you said that though struck me as as wow. Yeah. No. It's all yeah. Derrickson, for sure, wanted people to wrestle with the exact things that you're saying. I was very fortunate to you know to meet him at a conference and actually get to sit with him uh, throughout watching multiple films in a like a group of like 15, 20 of us watched horror films with Scott Derrickson and got to hear him kind of talk about how he approaches the genre.
0: Kind of, or did you just hear him?
1: Did I say kind of?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm just yeah. messing with you.
1: And he, he very much wanted it to be a, a, a struggle to, to wrestle with the, not just the knowledge piece, but wrestle with the darkness that surrounds us. Or that we encounter. And, you know, we, I think we, we see that, that struggle in the way he depicts all those things that you talked about. So it's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing.
0: So maybe the real boogeyman for Derrickson in this, in this picture is certainty. Certainty to me is, is not a position of faith. Um, Right. It is a, a, the absence of faith. It, it becomes ideological um, and it becomes a tool for our own comfort. If you want to talk about some of these masters of suspicion, Freud, Marx, Nietzsche, Feuerbach, um, you know they come up with all these suspicious reasons why you might believe in something like religion. one of them is that what is it It's the opiate of the masses. it It yeah. makes yeah. It, it's a crutch that makes us feel better or feel better be able to engage the world, to make it through this difficult existence. But doesn't certainty um, do that as well? Just a sense of a certainty, even in science, like yeah. And, and not only it's not only a certainty, but then it has this very, very um, hopeful, positive look that science will answer all our problems. Right. Exhibit A, right? Uh, and E. F. Schumacher calls this the forward stampede of modernity. It's the idea that we just need to create human technology that solves a problem. And now if
1: given enough time, no, technology No, 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 no no, 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 no.
0: that, 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 that fixes a certain problem. Like mm. any problem you can think of, create something for it to solve it, right, if it's a perceived problem. And and then we find out after having that developed and in the marketplace, uh, it's actually doing a great deal of destruction to the world around it. It's causing problems, just as mm. many problems as it solves. As it uh, solves. The Ford stampede of modernity says, it, well, we're not going to stop. We're going to continue on with this, I, I would say, Pollyannish hope, that future minds will come along and have better creative uh, technology answers to solve the problems we've made in the first place that we've made. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, but in that, there's a certain sense of comfort, a certain sense of, you know, th- this is why people can put their heads in the sand over issues like climate change
1: mm.
0: or uh, just pick a number of things that are, are facing our modern contemporary world. Um, uh, We'll figure it out. We have belief that in science. Yeah. We'll figure this out. But what if what if there is an element of of science that requires faith? I mean, it's right. certainly faith is re- certainly faith is required in everything, right? You still have to have yeah. the trust to read a label, right? <laughs> Before you drink <laughs> yeah. something, right? There's still an element of trust, even if it's that base. Although I think it's much more than that base. Uh, faith yeah. is present everywhere. And just and also, on the, sorry, I'm 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 going on, but I just want to complete the thought to say that same thing with religious fundamentalism, where I have a certainty that my belief is right; it's the one that gets me to the good place, not the bad place, or whatever. However, you <laughs> no, re-
1: exactly how you said. However it. However, yeah.
0: you can conceive of it, um, but once we have that certainty, and it belongs to me, it, it becomes this weird thing that we possess. Yeah, and as far as I can tell. Uh, faith is not something that we possess, it should possess us. And yeah. I might say that science is also not a thing in and of itself, it is a process. So you can never possess it either. It's not a thing, right. it's, it's a-
1: never complete. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's never complete. One of the most terrifying things about the film, besides the abruptness of the possession and the body shape that Jennifer Carpenter excels at pulling off, and and the the haunting nature of ghosts or demons visiting you at three in the morning. <laughs> um, and that's done all suspensefully. I mean, just quite, quite correctly, quite beautifully. Um, but it's the fear that comes up from not knowing what to do mm. to help people you love. She does mm. go and get all kinds of uh, care that's, that's there for her. And, ultimately that care doesn't seem to work. And so they, they call out to their parish priest who they trust. Yeah. Um, then for the parent or for a loved one watching your, your, the person you care for go through things that you can't explain, just absolutely. I would say universal human fear, but then the inability to find the help that's needed or the places that you typically go for help are now suspect or questionable by the broader society. Um, That's an alienation.
1: (laughs) That's a good word.
0: That's an alienation from from society in some way. Um, But as I said also, there are these other themes. You you have the Methodist prosecuting attorney who I believe they way they tried to make him out is that he's a good Christian man. But it seems like a lot of American Protestant Christianity is reflected on the imminent world, this, the flat, mm-hmm. horizontal, the world of ethics, like our stories have morals in them more often than appeals to imagination. We tell the kids stories to get to a moral, whereas European, yeah. in the European and a decidedly more Catholic world, uh, there's fantasy stories, right, that open up the mind to the mysterious and the transcendent. And that kind of faith, side of our faith, is is lost in a lot of the mainline Protestantism, where mm-hmm. it's not so much an Eastern Orthodox Catholic Church or sacramental churches. So churches that, that um, <clears throat> appeal to the actual uh, grace of God in ordinary things, like in the mm-hmm. daily life and in the actions of the church. Um so it doesn't make sense to this guy. This guy probably yeah. has the belief that when the, scripture, the Holy Scriptures of the Bible talk about possession, it's just epilepsy. It's just psychosis. Mental, yeah. And, and, and I'm not here to say that it's not, and that they weren't just trying to use the best words in their worldview to describe that. Um, but there is no imagination or possibility in the imagination for something more something that you cannot see that can affect us on a top-down causal way. That means to say uh it doesn't emerge from us, but it but it but in a being kind of working top down
1: neurologically,
0: mm. right, and into our bodies, right, to to take over. Um it's interesting how much screw tape letters can come out in this, where you talk about, you know, the greatest trick of the devil is to convince people he doesn't exist. Screw tape letters, it it, doesn't he quote that? Uh, maybe, but for those of you who don't know, I feel like Screw tape letters written by uh, C.S. Lewis, and it's this little pedagogical text about a a chief like Demon writing less lessons and letters to (laughs) his his nephew Demon on how to make Christians or believers uh, doubt and fall away, and um. Mm. You see in the church a lot of people who who say they believe, but do they really believe, or do they believe in what's been identified as moralistic therapeutic deism? That is to say, moralistic mm. faith is about the morals— these are I don't smoke, drink, or chew, go with girls to do. Therapeutic, <laughs> it's there to make me feel better about my eternal
1: super- Their portal might take you to hell. Okay,
0: yeah, it's 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 there to make me feel better about my life choices and where I'm gonna end up in the good place, not the bad place, mm. and then deistic. So it's it's believes in God, but it does not believe a God is very close. Rather, like the founders of our country, most were deists. They believe that God started the whole thing (laughs) and does not interfere. Does that's right. This
1: is a Christian nation, good sir.
0: (laughs) But that God does not interfere in the inner workings of creation in any way, shape, or form. So Jefferson, just as an aside, his deist Bible, he's got an edit of it (laughs) where he takes out anything miraculous, anything supernatural, Mm. it's a very thin Bible. And it's just (laughs) just a text of morals and wisdom then, right? Yeah. Yeah. not in God's kingdom prevailing in the world, so to speak. So but I think that's terrifying.
1: I think that's yeah
0: absolutely terrifying because you have faith not only in uh, your religious the tense of your religion, but you have faith in its community. And, and mm. these people were seen especially in mid-century of the last century, uh, these were the leaders of communities, priests, rabbis, pastors. Yes,
1: this story would have taken place in like the seventies. Well, the the true events took place in like the seventies that this film was based on. And, and it was based on that, like Scott Derrickson, like purchased or had rights to the, some of the recordings of the exorcisms that took place. Uh, and so while liberties were creative, liberties were taken in some elements into the story. It is very much based on a legitimate case that took place in uh, Germany, I believe. Yeah, and one of the things that he one of the things that he really wrestles with, and this is the other another theme, is how can a person of faith be possessed by a demon or by the devil? And that's going to come up in the end of this film. <clears throat> but but it's something that it's something that he asked himself. You know, Derrickson asked himself and. I feel like because we, it's we
0: want. because because what you're saying is that it is it has been um uh, believed that um, um, people of faith are protected that their faith is the hedge of protection around their person mm-hmm. yeah right
1: why would God allow somebody of who who believes in God? To to go through that experience.
0: That is a that is an interesting question. Uh, by the way, this, this the the real story is based on Anna Elizabeth Michael. She was born in 1952 in Bavaria, West Germany. She dies in Germany at the age of 23, um, and the negligent homicide is right here. So I'm just looking this up on Wikipedia. Yeah,
1: there were there were um, <clears throat> there wasn't just one priest. There were two. Yeah. Um, and so there, there, there are some other creative liberties, but the themes are the same.
0: Well, if, if the court case went, you know, dealt with the same content, it, it's interesting that it is German. And I, I cited two Germans about their epistemology, Lessing and, and Kant, that kind of really did shape modern Western philosophy. Um, mm-hmm. And to, you know, these are things that can't be known or proven, but they could be tenets of faith. You know or or you can believe them it's a softer sense of knowing for them whereas like like i said people like polanyi and other uh philosophers might have a more robust understanding of intuition and uh and religious tradition and other things in the world of what we can know um yeah so uh terrifying Terrifying themes. I, If you ask me the question, what is this movie's presentation of evil? I'm not sure I've thought enough about that question uh, in this text. I, I think it's very similar as the Exorcism movie we talked about and very similar and in keeping with... Augustine's notion of privatio boni, the privation of the good, or like a cavity. Uh, Again, last Mm -hmm. time I talked about how it was order caused by disorder. Uh, It's when good things are used for wrong purposes, right?
1: And that there is a battle between some force of evil, this in the embodiment of of a demon – and the force and, and the force for good in the world, yeah, here embod- here embodied by you know by the church.
0: So yeah, exorcist, the exorcism, exorcist, and the exorcism of Emily Rose have that notion that there is some sort of spiritual warfare that is literal, not metaphorical, and it's happening for the souls of of of, of the world itself. Uh, that that is true, but in essence, the demons still don't appear to be, or evil don't does not seem to be, uh, simply in essence. A demon because it's yeah. it's isolated one. So uh, it seems like evil itself is larger than the one demon. It's more. I think it's more apt to say that the demon is one who chooses to act diabolically, is yeah. a is a creature that acts diabolically,
1: and that's 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 possessing Emily's health and her 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 body, like taking her her volition from her. It is also. There's it, that's not the only depiction, you know, the possession and that that whole conflict—is it real? Is it not? Isn't the only expression of evil in this film? There is what the um oh Laura Linney's character,
0: the defense attorney,
1: the defense attorney had helped one of her clients get off, who ended up being another reoffending committing murder again right and she sees it while she's in while she's in a bar and it it really affects her and i think that's another picture of of bad things that happen in this world it, it's you know the the, the ten dollar word theodicy right you can i'll let you explain that uh, but that's another that's another theme you know how how the darkness as it comes to be called she can she feels it very deeply that that was an evil that was perpetrated that didn't have to be and she she was a, a part of what Led to that happening,
0: yeah. Let's 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 say theodicy for the sake of uh, um, our our thinking today is just simply that if God is good and loving and all powerful, how come there's evil in the world? Mm. Because if God is all all powerful and evils in the world, then uh, God must not be good because <laughs> God would stop what's evil. And if God is uh, all, you know, the other way around, then He lacks power, right? Um, right. That, that those are questions that have been asked for time immemorial um yeah. and, and I think that they' uh, I think there's better ways of asking the question but that is a question that is asked and at the end of this film um Emily Rose has a dream where she's visited by the Virgin Mary Mother Mary mm-hmm. and she has the option of going to heaven just descending just like Enoch getting right out of her or. Yeah. Yeah. Or she has the option to go back and sustain the battle, the internal battle. And 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 she she chooses to go back for a purpose and she succumbs to the devil, the demon, and she dies. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the priest and the defense attorney stand at her grave. Um the priest is found guilty, by the way, but he doesn't have to serve time. His time served. And uh, that was an appeal from the, the jury. Uh, Laura Linney's character is given a great promotion to become a, a, a member of a, a partner, partner in the firm. firm. She turns it down. I think she's wanting to do better in life than just get ahead and make money and have the splashy stories. Um, and so now they're standing in front of Emily Rose's grave. And uh, the, the priest says, we, one day Emily Rose will be considered a saint. Mm-hmm. uh because of what she's done when she dies she bears the marks of stigmata It's medieval teaching that you know like a certain level of faith can manifest themselves as the wounds of Christ on your palm of your hands and maybe the crown of horn. Mm-hmm. and she does that um, one of the people who are analyzing her body who's there uh, did, does not call them stigmata just says that they are uh, wounds but nevertheless, for the priest and the family, it is stigmata, and she has been a sign of endurance and faith. And it's because she has continued the battle, kept the fight alive, that, so that I suppose that's the reason that she will want— So
1: that the world might know that, that God is real.
0: So the, the world might know that God is real. Yeah, yeah which is an interesting you know, interesting thing. Um thing. Uh, not sure— how I feel about that—that that might be, you know—I'm gonna hold off on that for a second. But yeah, the, the, the that's ultimately at the end of the day, um, trying to look back at what you've you've struggled through and think it's going to matter to other other people. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just a human thing that the priest well, is feeling.
1: Yeah, and one and the priest You're trying to find that, meaning
0: in the suffering, right?
1: Yeah, right, and. Not only is he changed by Emily's faith and her her vision of of Mother Mary, but that's not the only person that's changed for the good. Uh, the defense attorney, you know, yeah, uh, she's changed by the priest being a good man. And I think she's changed by her story as her story as well. She doesn't she doesn't come to uh, a faith, if you will, uh, not not in the way that you or I would define it. But she is sh- struck by the epitaph on the on the grave, and it um, it's Philippians two, verse twelve, and it says uh, basically work out your own salvation with fear and trembling.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how how very works oriented, deeds oriented this this picture is, which kind of uh, it's it's kind of an, been an argued in, in Christian thought how much is faith and how much is works, but uh, <laughs> yes, and yes, and yes, we don't know the answer to to, to her faith, right? Like, yeah, there is a certain uh, certain. F- uh, f- uh, I guess we would all be. Um, for those of those of the people in the world who have faith, they would probably find it satisfying that she came to faith. Mm. Um, and then there's then oh, there's I don't the, think
1: I don't think Aaron came to faith in the end. I know. Uh, are you talking about Emily or
0: dude? I'm talking about the defense attorney. Right. Okay. Th- that would be satisfying to some. Oh yeah. But the fact that the movie leaves it very vague and her still in her journey, I think, is ultimately more satisfying for how life really works
1: uh it's not always
0: neat and tidy and bowed and wrapped up in pretty paper um and in fact when movies do that with trauma and evil i tend to don't like not like them because they're not reflecting Mm. the realness of life or or they're just popcorn movies to me they're not not making me think about my own suffering
1: yeah and that's that was something that You know, he Scott Derrickson gave a keynote at this particular conference, talking about this this issue, and wrestling and struggling with the darkness that we encounter, struggling. You know that it's not nice, it's not neat, and that that epitaph on that gravestone is makes perfect sense. Having heard that, having heard that speech, that there should be struggle.
0: Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the tenets of Buddhism is that life is suffering. And many people Mm -hmm. who know anything about Buddhism know that the way to avoid suffering is detachment. It is to detach oneself from desire, right? Uh, Christian teaching, I think a lot of people uh, misunderstand that it's not an escapist religion of, of escaping this world for heaven, and, and it's never promised that we won't suffer. I mean, Jesus says, come to me, or follow me, and, and by the way, pick up your cross. You're going to die for following me. You're going to suffer for giving your life over. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul has a thorn in his flesh that's never taken away, whatever that is. The entire mm-hmm. Old Testament is filled with the people of God who are yearning for relief and, and ease of their burden. But what is that all for? Uh, might I suggest that it's mm-hmm. all for... Our maturation that, mm. that that people who can 't deal with a good loving God and evil still persisting or difficulty still persisting we might have the wrong paradigm put forward for your human <laughs> for your sake of human flourishing yeah. to truly flourish you have to go through pain you have to go through it because it 's only through these things that we uh, we grow and then we mature just yeah. Simple analogy, exercise, the pain of exercise. You're breaking down your muscles to build them back up. The only way to become a better athlete or whatever is is to go through that pain. And that pain you may hate in the moment, but 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 it's for a purpose, right? Yeah. And, and to kind of bring it back to this notion of... So so I would say that even in the Christian t- church or even with the Stoics, uh, there's this notion of accepting death, accepting it, accepting trial and trauma and difficulty, that the world is not perfect. Um and, and we go right to Buddha Buddhism we said suffering's part of it, it really yeah. is. Detach. And there's something very holy about that across all traditions, even the Christian tradition, of, of yeah. detaching. I would say det- being, detaching oneself from your expectation of the divine. How many mm-hmm. people, how many people have lost hope or faith because they have one path in their mind preordained in their mind that, that god could take for them and if it doesn't go this way right. I, I don't want it i don't want any part yeah but that's 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 so childish it's immature to, to detach ourselves from expectation is a, a, a kind of a, a helpful way for us to grow up uh, yeah.
1: well and i i think that's part of the the fear and trembling that's part of the Letting, letting go of those expectations and seeing where that takes you.
0: Well, in Fear and Trembling, is I mean, that's obviously taken from the title of Kierkegaard's book. And this book is has is, is, is got many iterations of the story of Abraham about to sacrifice his son because he's told to by God. And it's almost mid-rashic in how it's, it's kind of retold in different ways with different emphasis points and different, different uh, evaluations of the moral of it. But like how can we morally accept a God who's good and all-powerful who says to the patriarch, uh, now go ahead and tie your son up and make him a sacrifice. Kill your son for me.
1: Through whom I've said that, that you're going to bless the world.
0: Yeah, and there's going to be really nothing added to the life of God if God is kind of – the kind of – kind of, uh, what we suppose God to be.
1: What uh, we suppose God what, to be. What is. we
0: suppose God is or isn't. And – um at the very end, of course, when the knife's in the air, there's the there's the sacrificial lamb that's discovered, and God says, "Don't do it." And it's actually kind of like horror; it's a horrifying story.
1: It, yes. it's very
0: horrific. And there's and there's even texts in the Old Testament called the, the text of terror because there is horror in real life. But the yeah. fear and trembling reminds us that there is a foundation for the religious life that uh, it, it literally comes from above us. Usually, we stand on our foundations, but this is yeah. This is we're suspended from the foundation, and it is from this great beyond, this great beyond of mystery, that which we cannot explain, that which we cannot understand, that which mm. boggles the mind because you can't contain it. Uh that is the from that place is where you get the path of life, the way of life to live. Mm-hmm. He will call it the the relig- religiousness A and B, but that's to get deep, <laughs> deep into Kierkegaard. Yeah, it, yeah. It's way beyond the ethical. It is beyond. Right? So, it's fear and trembling here in this film. It, it, it's present in that for at least the own personal witness of Emily Rose. She is choosing the more difficult path to be symbol. Yeah to be a wisdom to be a testimony mm-hmm. um and i would say that so does the priest
1: yeah yeah i i, I feel like that is that is a, a perfect description of of her and him well i i lost my train of thought after that. that's so.
0: okay you know that's easy uh hannibal's bites my friend let's move it on here we go. Hello. Is this Clarice? Oh, hello, Clarice. Where did the film fail to you? That's, that's a tough one. I, I,
1: out of all the times that I've watched it, I, I've never come away with it n- disliking it. Um, I feel like if, you could say any, if I could say anything, it would be the, the, the shallow des- description of the prosecutor's faith. It was, he is this, and it was, it never showed him, it never showed him struggling with anything. He had that certainty that you talked about. And there there was nothing, I don't think there was anything mysterious in his life. He had everything in a nice, neat, you know, everything in its place. Uh, and this particular case didn't fit, <laughs> didn't fit this, the place of faith for him. Uh, because possession, like you said, is not something that can happen anymore it's a psychological issue and and
0: I didn't I guess, say that I said some people think that
1: some people think that no I'm saying like from from the prosecutor's perspective, right, and so I think if I had any criticism, it would be that that particular individual didn't have enough depth to his character, and it was um. I think that's that's one of that's that's my biggest criticism that there could have been more done with his character to to flesh that out a little bit. Although the movie would have been longer.
0: Yeah, the, the character is he's played by Campbell Scott, and he's got a great voice, and I agree with you on that. The other thing is some of the uh, counter defense arguments on the stand. Um, I wish they were a little more thorough to really show that real difficulty in choosing a side. Um, mm. I mean, I thought the anthropologist one was interesting, um, but I thought there, there could be more to even undermine the rational. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I still, you know, I you know, I, I get phone calls and people are talking to me about uh, strange supernatural goings on. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone actually asked me, um, they said that they think their house is haunted, and they told me about these things that were happening. And this was the other day, and I, and I said, uh, well, what do you think it, the ghosts, I took them seriously, you know, just to honor them as individuals. And, and I, you know, I first, you know, I decided I was going to have a meeting with them and I was going to try to lead them through some ideas and thoughts. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, they were pretty resolute. So I, I wasn't going to question it right, or them to them, but I just said, well, what do you think this, uh, this spirit, this person wants? Is it malevolent or benevolent? They said, no, I think it's benevolent. I said, well, maybe you can act with a spirit of hospitality. Yeah. And maybe you open yourself up in hospitality for another space, another person. Yeah, I'll be the ghost. Now, I'm just saying that there are times when um, I'm 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 just open to things.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but the my philosophy of religion, my theology of the demonic and such, is that the demonic is not this powerful. Yeah. that it, it is almost seen as an unsurpassable enemy in the films mm. uh it is just it's just too too strong and if that's the case then uh, you know that i mean i just i it, then i mean the, then the theology of the whole picture is wrong right in the first place yeah. but I, I find that just to be um an easy way to make it very scary
1: mm. yeah
0: no one has an answer. Oh, and for
1: it it's it's scary because it's you know it's kind of it's dealing with those things that are beyond us. Yeah. All those all those things you talked about, the unknown.
0: Mhm. Well, my friend, it, it's
1: interesting that our my criticism and our criticism of the prosecutor is also his, you know, Derrickson's criticism. He 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 had expressed that he maybe had wished he handled that character a little differently
0: i was gonna say my friend this is one of those movies that you and i saw in the theater years and years ago when we got back to where my my house after we went on walks and stayed really late talking about all the mysterious things and And, uh it was
1: great in the theater at the the height of the last possession scene when they're in the barn and the (laughs) i felt the air in the theater get colder you know, whenever the whenever the the demon said, "I am legion," <laughs> that was that was a fun experience. We're just like, "Oh, is it cold?" <laughs>
0: That's a cold spot. Yeah. Uh, why, why
1: did the fan kick on now?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, this is definitely uh, when I, when I first saw the previews, I thought, "There's no way." I've seen so many possession movies, and they all really are are false, like just uh, poor simulacra of the exorcism exorcist. Exorcist. Boy, I, yeah. I, it's a mouthful getting all those isms and it's right <laughs> but it does something fresh completely fresh it has some of the same theological backgrounds to them but uh, but how the story's told what's the problem uh the problem isn't just a, a possess- the problem here is not really a possessed girl because she's dead that's over the problem <laughs> right. is whether or not the priest was negligent in her death and, right. and, and 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 so then you have to then go about proving or disproving or giving a shadow of doubt hmm and uh so I, I found that to be a really compelling way to tell a story. Yeah, the
1: film the film did a f- fantastic job of of allowing the viewer to experience that that tension. And it, it does that. It's a very good film uh, in that manner.
0: Do you have any final words on this one?
1: I I found I, final words. I, I I for one loved the scripture <laughs> on the tombstone at the end, um, yeah especially especially the way that that uh her, the way it struck Aaron, the way it struck the defense attorney standing there.
0: see, I struggle with it because I think it I think it individuates uh and it makes everything personal when ultimately, a lot of these things are held by community and with with and f- with with and by a community, and she had a community around her, and mm. I don't know that we can all work out our salvation right with fear mm. and trembling on our own well, or work out or work out the whole in our, in our in the center of us. So for what
1: th- the epitaph doesn't say that the rest of the verse says is right after the semicolon. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Okay. Um, Not for sure what, what version that is.
0: Right. You have to look at the Greek to see if it's you all or you, but, yeah. but the point, the point is even if you don't have, so I realize these exorcism movies really pull a lot on Christian themes, theology. And yeah. that may not, you may not dig that. That's, that's perfectly fine. Except for the fact that I think the movies are actually wanting you to wrestle with it. And, yeah. um, but I would Certainly say working work. out your salvation with fear and trembling, if that doesn't make sense to you and the way you speak, think about it like um, filling that, that gap or absence that's inside of every person, right? And doing mm. so with a great deal of respect and humility. Uh, I'm not sure that that's ever best done alone. Certainly moments of right. solitude are important. Um, and and well, we, we are in... Even- Individuals, but, but but giving over to the authentic self of the individual that Charles Taylor talks about, the philosopher, and he talks about the secular age, that everything's about me expressing my own personal individuality. I think that is the un, unwholesome or the unfaithful mm. thought because we are creatures made in for and by community. We are not meant to be uh, hyper individualist.
1: And you see, I think you see the defense attorney struggle with that the the further she's drawn into father moore's relationship that he had with emily and his ministry with her and her story the more she realized what her life was and the more she saw herself and how devoid of true meaning that it was cuz her her entire her entire um goals and ambitions changed mm-hmm. you know in that film, and she, she comes out of it, kind of, whether or not you you take the religious part of you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling, but working out how you encounter darkness with fear and trembling, and how you move, and how you like how you 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 work for goodness, you know, because she saw Father Moore as a good man, and his goodness and the way he ministered changed her.
0: Yeah. And and again, in the using uh, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey language, which is borrowed heavily from Jung, Carl Jung. Uh, I mean, that is her journey. Her journey is, you know, in the orientation in, in the normal order of things. She is a rising star. Yeah. Hard work, smart genetics. She is ready to go do and conquer. Things are go sideways, disordered, uh, broken, chaotic because she's. Now sees a man who believes everything she doesn't believe in, right. and yet there's something incredibly um, compelling about his belief and faith. She dives into it step by step, gaining more and more uh, interest. By the end, whether it's reorientation, right, where she needs to go on the journey, she's gotten to the point where she doesn't need the ambitious striving.
1: Yeah that it's it's transformed into something else. It
0: do, it doesn't say much about religion per se like you said but again it doesn't leave everything tied up with a nice bow on it. Well that's a that's a great one guys we we yeah. recommend it to everybody. As always we ask you to you know like us and subscribe give us a five star review if if you're into this sort of thing and love it love it love it if you would share it with your theology nerd horror yeah, nerd Psychology nerd. Nerd friends. All right. Great. Now, where do we go from here?
1: Where do we go from here? The last exorcism?
0: Yes. We're going to go to the half mockumentary. (laughs) <laughs> Half documentary approach <laughs> it's, 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 to exorcism films.
1: Yes. Yes. Found. It's not. Is it found footage?
0: It must Maybe. be found footage, but be. we'll get to that later.
1: But two Bye. For now,
0: sweet dreams.